2: To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now has
0: jumped over the scorers table. Artestis in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head.
2: Welcome to the Road NBA podcast presented by DraftKings.com. It is Wednesday, September 12th. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, we haven't done one of these in a very long time. Uh, probably over a month, I think, since you and I have talked. You're not actually here. Uh, I should clarify. You are somewhere in the northern regions of Wisconsin. Where exactly is that? We're going to need GPS coordinates.
1: <laughs> very north uh up uh kind of by boulder junction like ah, very close to michigan um but i got great wi-fi so um you know i can still do my job which is <laughs> which is what's most important yeah i obviously. gotta i gotta
2: admit i was a little bit skeptical when you you were very confident that this would be just fine doing it remotely and like your wi-fi you know the connection that, that we have here sounds better than than the wi-fi that i have in my urban madison apartment um <laughs> but like i said you know it is Wednesday, September twelfth. Everyone knows what that means. It's Yao Ming's birthday. Yao Ming is only thirty-eight years old. Somehow, um, wow. I mean, given the recent news that Andrew Bynum might be making a comeback, I, I think Yao Ming certainly could be could be next. Uh, it's also Paul Walker's birthday today. Um, you know, two two icons, Yao and and Paul, obviously for two different reasons. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's definitely take take some time to remember Paul Walker uh, at some of point today. Uh, before we actually get into NBA talk, uh, or actually real basketball talk, I should say, I guess this does pertain to the NBA. Uh, we're actually going to talk fantasy on this podcast. I mean, anyone who who knows me knows, uh, you know how much we we go out of our way to avoid doing that at all costs on this podcast. But you know, look, it's it's mid-September. There's not a whole lot else going on. We did a mock draft last night. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Uh, but over the weekend, a- an interesting story. Uh, made its way on to the World Wide Web. Uh, I'm just going to read the headline that I saw. This is via the venerable uh, website of recordhotnewhiphop.com. It writes, Ex-NBA player Jason Maxiel admits he slept with 341 women and cheated on his wife. Um, one, you said to me b- before we started recording, 341 is a very specific number. It's pretty clear that you know he's keeping some sort of ledger. Um, he is, yeah. Some sort of spreadsheet, perhaps. Of all the women he slept doc. with, and I also love that that they had to clarify that in addition to sleeping with 341 women, he also cheated on his wife.
1: Yeah, That's as if applied. that was right. And uh, his, I, they were uh, going through part of the show where he was, where they were interviewing his wife, and at one point he admitted it was like ten women, and then she kind of had a breakdown and she was like, "I thought it was only eight, or eight seemed like a lot." Mm-hmm. I was like, "At what?" why the specific this the specificity of all these numbers where people like are okay with it and not okay with it
2: right you usually i think you draw the line at 8 um and <laughs> yeah, his his wife brandy w- with an eye uh, was not happy it looks like he went on some sort of like youtube version of the Maury show more or less Essentially. Uh, called I think. I, iyanla fix my life mm-hmm. so jason maxiel uh he, he appears to have fallen on hard times hasn't played since 2014 15 I'm actually the owner of a Jason Maxiel Cincinnati jersey. Oh, wow. I'm not exactly sure where that is right now. I, I think it's probably back at my parents' house. Um, but, you know, seems like the value of that may be on the rise. So <laughs> the big news in the NBA today, the, the biggest news really in a while, because we are finally, you know, as much as the NBA is a 24-7, 365 sport, this is, if there is a slow period, you know, it's late August through, you know, mid to late September. I think the first preseason games tip off on September 28th. So, in, you know, in the days leading up to that, we'll start to get a little bit more news. But out of nowhere, uh, it, the Thunder announced that Russell Westbrook underwent a minor procedure on his knee uh, earlier this week. Doesn't seem to be anything, you know, of too much concern. Obviously, I think the timing is more concerning than anything else. He said it had felt stiff Uh, in recent workouts Um, so obviously something they want to take care of before the season I my guess is that Westbrook is probably going to play opening night Uh, it sounds like there's a pretty decent chance we're about four weeks out from that Uh, but if he doesn't you know he's only going to miss a handful of games so really not anything that's that's too concerning Um, but it's a little bit more of something to keep in mind I guess when you consider that this is now the fourth surgery that he's had. On the same knee, of course, the the most recent one before this was like four and a half years ago. You know, so it's not like these are really starting to mount in quick succession. But at the same time, knee surgeries, knee surgery, you know Westbrook is is kind of getting to the end of what you'd think would be his absolute physical prime. uh so not a great sign for for a thunder team, and I think a lot of people are pretty high on uh, going into this season. You know, obviously, they didn't finish last season all that well. uh but you know, getting rid of Carmelo Anthony, bringing back Paul George, bringing in some better role players. Uh, this puts a little bit of a damper on that, but but to me, not a huge huge concern.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Like you said, like I think it's it's mostly people are going to worry because it's kind of cumulative, um, you know. And given his age, I mean, he's about to turn thirty um, this season, and just the way that he plays, um, just so hard and with tenacity and everything like that, that it's you worry if the damage on his knees is going to start to pile up, and he just got the that insane contract so um you know it's at, at the very least he got the procedure done before the season which it seemed like he thought he could have just waited and waited until it got too painful and then would have had it in the middle of the year which would have been i guess you know better early than late um but i know paul george got off-season surgery was that on his? he had knee and elbow stuff going on too right so they're they're trying to get fixed up ahead of um, this upcoming season, which is good because they just all, you know, they both committed to, um, you know, being on this team for a long time.
2: Yeah, PG had surgery back in in early May, so really not much of a concern, you know, for him as far as missing any time uh, in the regular season. But yeah, I mean, I, I think things like that are just you know more and more common, you know, as the you know as medical technology advances, and you can undergo you know a scope or a clean out and be back on the court in three or four weeks. You know, for for a lot of players, especially guys who have you know gone through injuries before and, and have experience with this kind of stuff you know that's that's almost just part of the maintenance process it seems like uh, right. as players age Devin Booker we should also mention similar context he underwent surgery on his hand he's going to be out about six weeks I think that surgery took place on Sunday or Monday um kind of similar to Russ again obviously I think the hand is a little bit less concerning in terms of injury location but Sounds like there's a chance you could maybe miss the first week or two of the regular season, but you know nothing that's really going to affect, um, you know, fantasy value over the course of the entire year. But what I wanted to transition into is you know guys who have big time injuries: uh, Demarcus Cousins, Kristaps Porzingis. We can kind of throw Kawhi Leonard into that category. You know, he's in a different subset. Obviously, he missed his time last year as opposed to going into this year. Um, but when you guys did. The mock draft last night. It was twelve teams, thirteen rounds. Uh, I actually sat this one out uh, due to rec volleyball playoffs. Um, <laughs> obviously, I had to attend to that. Uh, that. was the playoffs. Yeah, so you were you were kind of my, my eyes and ears, I guess, through this draft. Um, you know, what did you think about where Demarcus Cousins ended up? He was in the middle of round ten. Kristaps Porzingis was in the middle of round 11 uh dj trainer our colleague actually took both of those guys with back-to-back picks uh did you think that was about right i mean we i know you and i have kind of conferenced about you know what do we do as far as projecting players like cousins and porzingis you know you don't want to give anybody you know the the misconception that demarcus cousins is going to play 60 games and he only plays 40 uh with porzingis i think it's even more clouded Uh, i guess what were your overall thoughts on those two guys to start
1: um, I think considering that it was, a, it was a head-to-head league that we were doing a mock draft for, so um, I think drafting Cousins at, it was pick 114, um, was actually pretty good. I think he could have went higher, you know, because you, you're assuming that um, the Warriors won't play him until he's fully healthy. And I, I don't know, there's some word that could be like December, January. It's still really, like, really unclear. Um, but considering the other guys like that went after Cousins, you have to think that uh, you know. For example, it's like Cousins went, and then it was ronde Hollis-Jefferson, Collins Sexton, Darren Collison. Like Frank Kaminsky was taken. Um, I think the upside of Cousins in like, a head-to-head league, especially when you're getting into the fantasy playoffs, and he might he'll probably be available for you. Um, I think he could have actually went a little bit higher than 114, and um, Porzingis at 127. I mean, it's, that's a completely fair place to take him um his like return date's a little strange too but i don't know whether other you know the, there's no one else that deep in the draft that gives you that kind of upside having them if you if you end up taking both like dj did you kind of put yourself in a in a tough spot if a couple of your players get hurt and you have to fill in the rest of your roster you might have to drop one of the two um which is kind of the downside of, of doubling up yeah,
2: but dj just a daredevil. Everyone
1: Yeah, he's he's a yeah he's an absolute wild card. Um, so I think um I think but grabbing one of those guys around that range is is completely fair.
2: So the other guy I mentioned, Kawhi Leonard. Um, you know I no nobody's really come out and flat out said that Kawhi Leonard is fully healthy. I mean everything has been as muddled, I guess as you'd expect. You know as we've come to expect over the last year with Kawhi, but. You know, we've seen photos, we've seen some videos of him working out. I I think right now anyone, if we hear anything to the contrary, that he's not healthy, you know, going into as we close in on a month before before opening night, I think that would be a surprise. I think the general consensus is, you know, maybe you're proceeding with a little bit of caution, but Kawhi, we, we should for the most part expect to see the real Kawhi Leonard uh, on opening night for Toronto. Um, and from what I've seen, you know, in terms of early mock drafts, in terms of ADP, uh, Kawhi Leonard seems to be going, you know, in the range somewhere from eight to fifteen. I, I think in most drafts, maybe on the back end of that. Um, so people are operating as if Kawhi Leonard's going to be Kawhi Leonard. I, I don't, I don't see people approaching this, you know, with too much caution.
1: No, I mean he went he went thirteenth in our mock, and I I would I, I had the fifteenth pick and I would have taken him had he been on the board at fifteen. And I think that's I think that's about the range that I don't think I would I don't think he'll get past fifteen, just his upside because he has top five like if he's if he's completely healthy, I mean he has top five upside. Mm-hmm. Um and you have to wonder but at the same time you don't see too many places that do projections like projecting him to play more than 65 or 70 games. Um and so you kind of get an advantage in a head-to-head league. I think you can take him earlier, um, but yeah, he won't. He's really just not making it past the middle of the second round. So if you, you know, if you're someone who wants to target him in a draft, and you have like maybe the ninth or tenth pick, you might just have to take him there because people, people just won't let him slip past fifteen.
2: Right. I mean, and one thing that's, I think, been maybe a little bit understated with Kawhi is that he's never played more than 74 games. And that was, you know, two seasons ago, his best season. He played and started 74. But before that, it was 72, 64, 66, 58, 64. Uh, And of course, one of those years, you have the lockout. um, So I think he only missed two or three games. Um, But, you know, he's not, by no means is he a lock to play 80 games year in and year out. So I think, you know, you have the. You know, relative caution coming off of the injury, coming off of the trade, uh, coupled with the fact that, you know, he's been a guy who misses, you know, eight to 12 games over the last few years. Uh, so obviously that's going to drive down his value a little bit. Um, you had the 10th pick in this draft. So that meant that you were picking again at 15 in the second round. Like you said, Kawhi went 13, first pick of the second. Uh, then it was Ben Simmons. Then you took MB, then wall, then Oladipo, um, do you think any of those guys should have gone ahead of Kawhi Leonard? You know, if you were picking at thirteen, would you have taken Leonard there? Uh,
1: if I was picking at thirteen, I I think I probably would have taken Leonard. I I mean, I would have felt safe. I mean, any of those other guys that you listed, um, I would have I would have taken. Um, like I, I don't want to call it a coin flip. Um, You know, Wall's had knee issues, and Oladipo hasn't had the healthiest career. I took Embiid, but obviously he has an injury history. Um, You know, Simmons will kill your free throw percentage, but um, he's a guy that that I was actually looking to take before he got snatched up the pick before me. Um, But the the real question is, you know, are guys like um, Wall and Oladipo um, really going to get any better than they are now? um I don't know if Oladipo Oladipo still I think has some ceiling to reach um but I don't think it's anywhere close to what Kawhi Leonard's ceiling would be and um it it really just um it's really just a matter of how risky you know you want to be in the in the top levels of fantasy drafts and usually I'm I'm not that risky Mm -hmm. um even though I ended up with Embiid so (laughs) and Gorgon Hayward around later
2: yeah no risk whatsoever with those guys
1: although no, i really look, I really, really
2: want to believe we're past this with joel Embiid. bead I, I don't know what it's going Me to too. take maybe he has to play 82 games for like three straight years before we stop worrying about it um but I, I i mean this this guy's career is going to be so so much fun if if the the knee and the foot issues never really come back around um okay that's i don't want to talk any more fantasy um <laughs> i just you know you, you just just hate to do this Let's talk um, you know, bigger picture you know, as the season approaches. I don't really want to recap you know, who had the best offseason. You know, that's been run into the ground. I mean, teams have pretty much been done making transactions outside of the Timberwolves for you know, the better part of the last few weeks. But you know, as we kind of look back holistically on this NBA offseason, what are the teams that jump out to you as, as most improved in either conference?
1: Um, I really like what Indiana did. Um, and especially signing Tyreek Evans, like he kind of, you know, he's another guy with an injury history, but last year was, I mean, probably the best year of his career, um, with Memphis. He's even, I mean, adding the three pointer for him is huge. He made like, I think two a game last year, about close to 40%. Um, and when you kind of break down their roster compared to teams in that range, like Milwaukee, um miami washington they look just as good depth wise um and and having some top level talent as any of those other teams so i really like what they did um especially when you assume cleveland's either running so indiana could could you know jump as high as four and get home court advantage in the playoffs and um if everything hits right for chicago they have tons of upside obviously um, you know, if Zach Levine stays healthy and improves like he was before the injury, if Jabari Parker can somehow stay healthy, if Wendell Carter Jr. is as good as a lot of optimists, people like me, think he is, um, they're they might they're probably not going to be good on defense. But, um, you know, with how weak the East, Eastern Conference is, um, they have a chance to make some noise with, with what they did in the offseason for sure.
2: All right, let's take a quick second so I can tell you about DraftKings.com. By now, uh, you probably know all about DraftKings. It's the best place to play daily fantasy sports for cash prizes. And yes, we're still a month and a half from the start of the NBA season, but DraftKings is in full swing right now for NFL football. If you missed out on Week 1, the good news is you have 16 more weeks, and that's not even counting the playoffs, to get in on the action. And this season, college football is back on DraftKings, so you can win money on Saturday, and you can turn right around and win more money on Sunday. Plus, we have an exclusive DraftKings offer from Rotowire. If you go to www.draftkings.com slash rotowire-2018, create a free DraftKings account, and then deposit at least $10 into that account, you will receive a free six-month membership to rotowire.com. In my opinion, this is the best time of the year to take advantage of a deal like that. You got football starting up, baseball still going on, basketball, hockey just around the corner. We got tennis, we got MMA, we got video game, fantasy, whatever that is. Again, that's www.draftkings.com slash rotowire-2018 to claim that offer. All you have to do, again, create a DraftKings account, deposit at least $10, get a free six-month subscription to rotowire.com. So I'm with you on Indiana, for sure. I think they're the most improved team in the East. I don't really think it's all that close. I mean, Unless you want to argue the jump from DeRozan to Kawhi, you know raises toronto ceiling that much more Yeah, you know, i can kind of see that i think milwaukee improved you know at the margins right. that's that's you know we you and i talk with a lot of bucks fans being in wisconsin and that's you know i had so many people asking me going into free agency you know are, are the bucks really going to play for any of these guys you know what can they do and, and like everything I, I kept telling everybody like if they're going to improve it's going to have to be around the margins you know unless they're willing to you know part with chris middleton which clearly they aren't and you know shouldn't really have been Um, but they did exactly that. I mean, they basically signed Brooke Lopez to the minimum. Uh, I like Pat Connaughton. I think they, with very limited resources, with very limited flexibility, um, you know, they addressed pretty much exactly what they needed to address. I, I, I'm not convinced that DiVincenzo is really going to give them anything. Um, I think that was just kind of a, you know, a fresh in your memory type of thing where (laughs) DiVincenzo was kind of able to ride that, that hype wave, I um, mean, granted, he was hurt for summer league, and you know, didn't really get to see him there. But I, I think anything you get out of DiVincenzo is a bonus. Um, but I, I think this is a really good team. You know, a team that was poorly coached for most of last season, right. really, really all of last season. I mean, it. it after <laughs> Even I think they were, they had a more defined scheme after Jason Kidd was was fired. But it's not like you would say that Joe Prunty stepped in and, and did a great job. Like at no point was any. Did you hear anyone say, "Yeah, I think Joe Prunty maybe deserves to keep this job"? No, no one said that. Um so, I mean, I think the the leap in coaching, the leap in just general stability that that brings, and, you know, just having a shooter at the center position, obviously, Brooke Lopez has his faults. I mean, he's basically a three point specialist at this point. I mean, he blocks a decent amount of shots, but he doesn't really rebound. He's never rebounded. But his rebounding is, you know, kind of sunk to extreme levels at this point for a center. But just having that guy out there to space the floor when you have a primary ball handler who, Really hasn't shown signs of being a confident three-point shooter. You know, for long stretches, uh, is going to do wonders for them. I would love to say Washington's improved. I I do think Dwight's a pretty significant upgrade over Gortat. To be honest, I mean, I I think the argument against that I've heard is like, well, Gortat sets really good screens. Very true, (laughs) he does. Yeah, I I think Dwight Howard has has been underrated for a while. Um, You know, you can skip ahead. Use that plus fifteen button if you want. but I, I think, I think if, if they can figure that out chemistry-wise, it's going to end up looking like a really, really big upgrade. Uh, and obviously John Wall has to stay healthy. In the West, you know, I mean, the Lakers are the obvious one. We don't really have to talk about that. If you add LeBron James, you get better. Golden State, you know, adding DeMarcus Cousins, you know, the, yeah. the depth that he's going to bring when he's healthy, certainly that helps. But uh, I think San Antonio, you know, just getting DeMar DeRozan after getting, what, seven, nine games of Kawhi, last year right. and you know Kawhi being limited for most of those. Like you're basically you know it's not that simple, but you're basically adding DeMar DeRozan to last year's team. And you know, obviously you send Danny Green to Toronto in that deal. Um, but they added Lonnie Walker in the draft, you know, the kind of high upside, bouncy athletic guard that you know really you don't see in San Antonio ever. Uh so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. And and if there's any team, you know, that can turn Jakob Pertle into a pretty good role player or from a pretty yep. good role player into not a star but you know just a a really good role player at san antonio i think they're gonna find ways you know to really utilize him this is a team that was relying on what 39 year old paul gasol for you know a pretty decent workload last year and and Mm -hmm. gasol is back and has been effective for his age um but I, i think they added depth and you know the the tandem of aldridge and DeRozan, like on paper is such a bad combination just because their skill sets even at different positions overlap so much Um, but I mean, I have no doubt whatsoever that San Antonio figured this out. That doesn't mean they're going to be a 65 win team, but I think they're a lock to win over 50 games, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, DeRozan, you know, for people give DeRozan so much flack for his three point shooting ability and, and other stuff like that, but he is a really talented player. And so, um, you know, it's possible we see the ball in his hands a lot, just as much as we did in Toronto, because DeJounte Murray is more of a kind of a defensive point guard anyway um, and a good rebounding point guard. So it's possible we'll just see DeMar kind of run the offense um, and LaMarcus can hit some threes and Gasol can obviously hit threes. They got Bellinelli um, who will shoot anything he touches from beyond the arc. So, um, yeah, I mean, they they have upside. The problem, the problem with the Spurs really is if anybody gets hurt, their actual depth is still pretty weak. And I know Popovich can do a lot with a little um, – But if DeRozan gets hurt on the wing, you're gonna really end up leaning on Bellinelli and Rudy Gay, and then after that, you have you know Quincy Pondexter and Dante Cunningham and Bertans. Um, So as as long as they can stay healthy, Um, and then I think uh, then I think 50 wins is like really reasonable for them.
2: No, totally agree. Uh, I think they were one of the teams when James and I did over unders a few weeks ago that. We've, we felt, I don't remember exactly what their line was, but it was way too low. Um, so flipping that on its head, what are, what are the teams, you know, we don't have to go and, and predict, you know, what are the eight playoff teams going to be in each conference, but I, the West is deeper than ever. Um, the East, yeah, I mean, I don't think it got worse. I don't think it got a whole lot better. Um, but, but which teams do you think really regressed this offseason? season?
1: Um, I mean, in the East, other than I think, I mean, Cleveland's going to be obvious. Um, oh, yeah. but sh- you know, Charlotte, I don't really know what, I mean, I like, you know, Miles Bridges is, is probably gonna be a good player, but I just, they didn't really do anything at all. And kind of other teams in that area that, you know, improved around them that like lower eight spot, um, in the East, um, you know, the, the Pelicans are interesting, just because they lost to Marcus Cousins but they still managed to play pretty good basketball without him and I like I really like Julius Randle and Miritich, but they're going to be interesting um, you know I the the Clippers were never really in it to begin with so I I don't think moving on from DeAndre Jordan is like a huge deal to them because I think people I I don't I I don't know what their upside was anyway really um, and I don't know. I mean, Minnesota will be interesting, but they their depth is still just they they haven't figured out any real depth.
2: Yeah, I, I unfortunately I think we're going to find out what Luol Deng has left in the tank. Honestly, <laughs> like I I don't I mean, they this is a team that basically plays like a six and a half man rotation. Right. I mean, they and it's pretty clear that if it was up to Tibbs and if no one was watching, I think it would just be a five man rotation. So. We'll see. I mean, I, I they clearly need to get deeper. Um, you know, we kind of saw, you know, what happened when they when they lost Jimmy Butler. They went from what second or third, I think, in the West to you know basically finishing eighth. Um, yeah. To me, I, I the Clippers, like you said, you know, they made a nice run. Obviously, they they tailed off a little bit at the end of last year. I think they missed the playoffs by four games uh, behind nine seeded Denver. But I, I think they're doing a good job of kind of knowing where they're at realistically. Like they're going to field a respectable team. you know, I think they're probably a team that you could pencil in to finish 10th or 11th again. you know right. to me, they're they're right there with Dallas, you know, probably with Memphis, uh, a little bit a little bit lower to me than the Lakers, certainly lower yeah. than Denver, Minnesota. Um, but I mean, this is a team that had some of the worst injury luck you know that you've that you've really ever seen in in the modern NBA. They traded away their best player before the all-star break and still won 42 games. Um, so it's, you know, it's hard to say that they got a whole lot worse. Uh, obviously losing DeAndre is pretty big for them. You know, they get Gortat back, who's basically a you know slightly below replacement level player at this point. Uh, but I think they're content with, you know, just kind of treading water this season. Maybe Tobias Harris averages like 28 points per game. Um, you know, they, they get another year. Uh, of Teodosic and Beverly both guys were hurt for most of last year you have two rookies uh, the two guards Gilgis Alexander uh, and Jerome Robinson who you know hopefully at some point we'll get to see more of Uh, but I think they're playing for this summer in terms of being a free agency destination and even the summer of 2020 you know I think they're setting themselves up to basically have an open cap book for these next couple of summers um, you know and finally land this this marquee free agent in LA that, that you know that we keep hearing about Uh, But other than them, I mean, in the East, Cleveland, I I really, really think Cleveland is going to make a spirited run at the eight seed. You know, I think that's, I think it's very clear that after what happened last time, they lost LeBron and, you know, dropped off by like, what, 50 wins or something like that. I think they want to avoid that. I think they want to just be respectable. I think they really, really want to make the playoffs. But I think we're going to get to like mid-February. And it's going to be very clear to me that, you know they're a lot closer to the detroit charlotte brooklyn chicago you know than they are miami or washington or milwaukee or whoever whoever you know the 678 is
1: right yeah i definitely agree with that and a team for, i forgot to mention in the watch was portland um who kind of are are standing still um and even lost at davis who played like a pretty big role for them while it feels like everyone else in the west is kind of getting better yeah. and they, they were the also three Shabazz,
2: uh napier as well
1: that is true um and they were the three seed last year but that only two wins separated them from minnesota who was the eighth seed so i mean if portland didn't make the playoffs i wouldn't be shocked which is odd to say for a three seed but that's really what's what's going on in the west i see i'm
2: higher on portland uh james and i had a long discussion about them uh on the over under pod he, he kind <laughs> yeah, of said the same thing you did he he thought that they overachieved last year uh and they won't necessarily, you know be worse but they'll just kind of regress toward the mean i don't necessarily think they overachieved i mean i I thought lillard you know kind of struggled at the beginning of last year obviously he came on late and and was a first team all nba guy but i I didn't think he had his best wire to wire year nurkic wasn't as good i mean I, i think there's room for them to at least do what they did last year um but like you said even if they do that that might mean finishing eighth because they were the three seed you know nominally last year but they were only two games better than the eighth seed and they were only three games better than the nine seed so you know i mean you've some of those games that could go either way you lose two of those all of a sudden you're right on the fringe of the playoff picture so i i think the west is going to end up you know shaping up a lot like it did last year i don't think houston's going to run away with it i mean they were houston was 16 games better uh than the third seed portland and you know i think houston got worse i think their motivation to go and win 60 plus games again might just not be there. I think they'll probably as they should be are going to be in that mode where they're playing to get back to the Western Conference Finals, you know, teams that that have these runs rarely rip off, you know, back-to-back historic seasons because you know, there's just no reason to, you know, why why exert that much effort when when all that really matters is what you do in May and June. So, you know, I think it's going to shape out similarly similarly to how it did last year. I think there's going to be a huge bunch um, you know, Houston and Golden State probably finish 1-2 again. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, yeah, I would agree with that because I think Houston still really cares about the one seed, like having sure. the home court advantage presumably over Golden State in mm-hmm. the finals or in the conference finals more than Golden State cares about that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll see. I mean, I think Golden State's talent level, you know, might – might just carry them above Houston, you know. I think if if Houston regresses a bit and Golden State you know plays a little bit better, I mean it, it's it's kind of absurd that that team won 58 games last year. I mean that's a team that should cruise to 65 wins. Yeah. um So I I think maybe they're you know we talk about Portland regressing. I think maybe the maybe the the Warriors kind of progress to the mean if that's even a thing. Um. But yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting, and it's it's going to be a while I think until especially in the East, you know, we really get a read on some of these teams. Like, I wouldn't be that surprised if, if Indiana looks like it's closer to Boston and Philly than it is Milwaukee and Miami. Um, but at the same time, the, the big addition, the big splashy addition that we're, you know, lauding them for is, is Tyreek Evans at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Boston's, you know, I mean, Boston, I, I hear a lot of people talking like Toronto is clearly the number one seed, now that they have Kawhi Leonard, but Boston's also Aghan Gorgon Hayward on top of their, Eastern conference finals run, you know right. what I mean? So, um, going to be even better. They could compete, you know, for the, I don't, I mean, they could, they could have close to, I mean, they're probably the, th- I mean, they're the third best team in the league, I would assume. Um, and probably will be I think competing they're than for Houston. wins. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think that's like, um, uh, I, yeah, I think if they, I think if they played in the finals, like it would be like a very close series. Like, I I definitely feel that way, and I'm sure they'll have the third best record in the league. Um, So, yeah, and Philly didn't do as much as I think a lot of people hoped. Um, They kind of had that hope for Paul George and that hope for LeBron that wasn't real. Um, But they, you know, they... I I think they're just really banking on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, both staying healthy, both making another jump. Um, And, you know they they have strong role players but um i think toronto and or i think boston is clearly ahead of them i still i'm i'm a little biased i really love philly so i think them and toronto would be a really good series um if it came down to it in the playoffs
2: yeah i mean the, philly's tough. i mean adding wilson chandler it, it felt you know like a like a lame consolation because you know paul george seemed like such a realistic possibility and then you know a couple days before LeBron goes to the Lakers there's reports that his agents flying out to Philly so like in the wake of losing out on those two guys you know Wilson Chandler doesn't seem like much but I, I mean he's a, a guy who's been a starter for most of his prime I mean, I, I think he's a, a really a really strong you know above average wing that almost and like what team in the league wouldn't want to have Wilson Chandler as its fifth or sixth guy and that's exactly what he's going to be for Philly so it's a little bit crowded on the wing now um, you know with Sarich and Covington and, and now Chandler but Really, you can never have enough depth at that position, and and bringing back Reddick, I think, was a great move for them. You lose Bellinelli, you you lose Ursan, but those were both you know buyout deadline guys who you really you know, didn't plan on keeping. So I, I didn't really view that you know as a big loss. I, I think in the, in the grand scheme of things, it was still a plus off season. Um, you know, in retrospect, in, in even even after the Desire Smith injury, I really would have liked them to hold on to McCall Bridges. You know, I mean, this is a team that. Uh, maybe I wouldn't say Philly is like reaching its peak this year just because of how young uh, Embiid and and even more so Simmons are. But you know, McCall Bridges is a guy that could have been your seventh or eighth man right away, and and now it's looking like you really might not get much out of Zyre Smith at all as a rookie. Um, and, and that depth could end up being important long term because James refuses to hear me out on this. But I, I think Boston is the deepest team, maybe of all time, the deepest team that I can remember. Certainly, I mean, like you're you're going seven eight nine ten eleven deep with with guys who would arguably start for for some of the worst teams in the league you know i mean like someone like daniel tice aaron baines i mean these guys are you know giving boston really really valuable minutes and are basically going to come back and play you know somewhere between what 12 and 16 minutes per game
1: yeah yeah i think so i mean yeah boston is in, is insanely deep like you terry rogier would start on i don't know how many teams um a, a really a good number of teams Marcus Smart was like begrudgingly handed a contract, um, which is just proof of how good Jalen Brown projects to be. Marcus Morris is going to be some weird like afterthought, like tw- right. maybe twenty minutes a game, and he would play. You know, he 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 was a starter for vast majority of his career. Yeah, um, I mean, he's
2: he's in the Wilson Chandler category for me. You know, I mean, obviously personality right. wise, he maybe brings some complications, but any team in the league would like to have the skill set that that Marcus Morris brings.
1: Right. And then going back to Philly, like we still really don't know about Markel Fultz. Like that could be, like that could be a, that could essentially act as an addition. We well, just, let's, we have yeah. Let's talk no about idea. let's talk
2: about Markel Fultz. What is your, you? I think you've probably sent me a number of Markel Fultz videos and and photos and whatnot over the <laughs> summer. You've been monitoring this as close as anyone. What is your gut feeling or gut expectation when we look back, let's say at the All Star break, at what Markel Fultz has done through mid February? What do you think that's going to be?
1: I'm not... I, I really am not in, convinced right now that the three-pointer is going to be where it where we all want it to be, but we saw last year, like, if you you could throw Markel Fultz out there for 24 minutes a game, and he's going to be more productive than a lot of other guys out there. Like, he could still get you... His assist-to-turnover ratio was great. Like, he's still a legitimate point guard, even if he can't hit a three. Um, and... So the, the question is, like, even, even the way that he theoretically is, if he can barely make threes, he's probably still better than T.J. McConnell. And T.J. McConnell, wow, was T.J. McConnell getting, like, 20 minutes a game last year? Um, yeah, 22 minutes a game. So I, I could see, I think Markel Fultz's floor is probably, like, essentially 20 minutes a game. And if things pan out... And he's able to hit some threes. Then obviously, like he could be a a legitimate starter. I just haven't seen any real footage of him taking, you know, a real jump shot in game, which is kind of unfortunately what we have to wait for. But we're going to see. I mean, he's going to play in the preseason, I assume. There's no reason he wouldn't. Um, So we'll we'll find out sooner than later if he's if he's good to go.
2: I think we're going to find out game one of the preseason, like whatever game he is active for. Like it's going to be immediately clear, right? Like if he comes out in that game and it's tentative and, you know, airballs his first three off the side of the backboard, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, it'll come around. Like, no, it, <laughs> it, it, if it was going to come around, it would have come around sometime between when he played his last game on April 19th and, you know, whenever the preseason starts for them, late September, one of the last days of September, you know, it's, it, that's a lot of time, you know, for to really specifically be gearing your entire offseason toward improving one aspect. Um it's either gonna be there or it isn't. You know, and I think we we saw last year, I mean this guy was inactive basically from mid October or late October all the way through, you know, almost the end of March and showed almost no improvement, you know, in in his jump shot. After playing the first four games of the year, he came back and played I think ten games um, you know, right right down the stretch for Philly. And you know, it was clear that whatever had been going on throughout the year, you know, there's there's not a lot of time, I think, to to work through these type of things and improve in season. You know, the off season is where you handle this. So we're going to know fairly early on. Um, and what's most intriguing to me is, like, even like you said, even if he doesn't have a reliable jump shot, I mean, it's go- it's going to be better than it was last year just by default, I think. Um, yeah. But, you know, let's say he's, you know, the type of point guard who who will only shoot a three, you know, if he's wide open or if he has to. I still think he has to be in the rotation, right? Like, what, what's the other option for Philly? Like, do you, you, you can't sit him out for another season and just hope it gets better next year. You know, that, that option to me is way off the table. You know, at that point, I don't know if you can really trade him. I mean, certainly you could, but his value would have bottomed out. Um, like, if, he, if the jump shot doesn't improve, I think they just have to play him and, and, and live with it and, you know, kind of cling to this hope that eventually he's going to rediscover it.
1: I think so, too, because, I mean, at the very least, like he he was so bad last year. And I think everyone's kind of come to accept that. Like, I think part of the reason, you know, there there was a lot of reasons, like a lot of stuff came about, whether whether it was hurt, or whether it was a mental block or stuff like that. I think that's that aspect over of like potential a, a mental block or something and the fans reacting like really poorly. I think that's over because they've already seen like what the worst possible version of Markel Fultz is which is still a serviceable NBA player. So, I mean, anything he can do from here on out is, like, essentially a plus. So I think from that perspective, like, yeah, you're, you're just going to play him. And I think um, everyone's going to view whatever he can do as, as upside. And, um, I, yeah, I just don't know because it was – I mean, I remember when we, we first saw those videos of, like, him shooting the free throws in the preseason game. I think it was against the Celtics. Like it was that obvious. Like you're talking about how obvious it'll be if he can, if he his shooting will be right. Like you knew immediately when you saw that footage of him shooting that free throw. Like this is not like something is like wrong here. Um, but yeah, I mean he's. I think I think they'll throw him out there. They'll really try to play him. I mean he's he's legitimate depth for them. Right. And if if he's not out there, then it's gonna be TJ McConnell, Jared Bayless, Furcon Korkmaz. Like I mean that they their guard rotation isn't it really isn't fantastic they're heavy on wings um so which reminds me i saw i saw a video of lonzo ball who apparently has tweaked his i don't know if you saw that his shooting motion yeah it's a little better like it was noticeably better I did,
2: if okay i will agree it was noticeably better but if i had just seen that video without the context of it or yeah i think i, I clicked some article that was like you know Lonzo's shot looks much smoother like It didn't look that much smoother. Like i I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought he revamped his shot if I just saw the video without context. You know, I mean, he's somebody that his shot is so crazy, and he's shot like that forever. That like you're never just he's never just going to come. He's not going to show up some year with just a normal looking jump shot. It's always (laughs) going to be like that. And you know, it's whether it ever becomes effective, we'll see. I mean, the thing that concerned me is so much about Lonzo wasn't that he was missing all these open threes. I mean, he was a very good three point shooter at UCLA, so that was surprising. But the free throw shooting right like that if you're going to be a good shooter in this league like great 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 three-point shooters almost always shoot really really well at th- at the free throw line i mean look at look at curry thompson those type of guys i mean obviously lonzo is not going to be steph curry but 45 percent at the line as a rookie um and you know i think he he missed a stretch of time early in the year and when he came back he basically just stopped getting to the free throw line altogether he would go four or five games without getting to the line uh, which in the NBA is tough to do when you're playing the, the amount of minutes that he was, and and that tells me that he didn't want to go to the free throw line because he knew he wasn't going to make them. Um, so that's a concern. I mean, his his entire, the entire structure of that shot uh, is a concern. Obviously, I think missing threes is what got most of the attention last year. But you know, for me, I think you kind of have to start building it at the at the free throw line and, and extend from there.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I the only thing you can point to and say it's probably not as bad as actually 45 percent is that he only took 71 free throws and you know he found out later he's dealing with a knee injury and so he probably wasn't you know he's not gonna be driving to the basket as hard as as he would have otherwise and mm-hmm. people thought that was gonna be an issue for him anyway but yeah 45 percent for like you said even even with a sample size of 71 is like alarmingly low
2: uh, yeah i'm rooting for him i'm rooting for Foles. me too I, I mean, like, it's just it would just be fun if all the rookies panned out. You know, every right. class has to have busts, <laughs> but um, I mean, Fultz especially. Like that, that Philly team becomes so much more fun if Markel Fultz is is the prospect that we that we thought he was. I mean, I think Boston is gonna, I wouldn't say run away with the East, but I think they will comfortably win the East in the regular season. Yeah, um, you know, no matter what happens with Philly, but I mean, with the way that Boston is built for the future and with the way that this Philly team is built for the future. Um, you know Philly kind of getting its third guy in folds would really really make this a fun long-term rivalry um, and we should say uh, as we as we talk about you know the best teams in the east you look on the you know on the other side some of the worst teams in the league you know are going to be kind of for the most part the usual suspects a- Atlanta was the third worst team in the league last year I think they're kind of my pick to be the worst team this year uh, mm-hmm. but Sacramento is going to be right there they they added Marvin Bagley in the draft they get their 2017 first rounder back from injury Harry Giles to me that's not going to be nearly enough you know to 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 pull them out of the basement um, and something that's going to be increasingly talked about as we get into February March April May is that Sacramento does not own its pick no matter what there are no protections on this pick if it's number one overall it goes to Philly if it's almost anywhere else it goes to Boston um, basically what it comes down to is Boston is owed the more favorable pick of either Philly's own pick or Sacramento's pick. Uh, and it's protected for Philly. I know this is confusing, but it's protected for Philly <laughs> for number one only. So if it's number two, Boston gets it. Three, whatever. The only, the only complicating situation would, of course, be if Philly has like a bunch of injuries you know, and ends up with like the third pick and the Kings have the fifth pick, then the, you know, Philly would have to send its own pick to Boston. But that's you know, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. What I'm saying is that one of these two teams... Um, most likely Boston, is going to end up adding what will in all likelihood be a top-seven pick and could very likely be a top-three pick to an already stacked core.
1: I, I don't even know how to, like... <laughs> if that goes to Boston, I don't even understand, like, how... That's I mean, just the insane. odds are,
2: right? Like, like I said, no, unless yeah, it's no. number one, and unless the Kings are better than Philly, it's going to Boston, which is absolutely ridiculous. And that is on top of Boston getting the clippers first round pick that's lottery protected uh this year and next year so there's a decent chance that they d- they don't end up getting that one uh and memphis also owes its first rounder to boston which is only top eight protected so if memphis finishes you know with with the pick ninth or lower uh that goes to boston so e- i mean either way boston is going to have like three first round picks <laughs> i mean
1: Absolutely danny Ainge do. is really throwing his hat in the ring for best gm of all time like honestly at this point like, and he's got to win the champion Like the Boston has to win a championship before you, I mean, you know, I mean, that he's, got,
2: he's got one in 08 I mean, you mean with this core,
1: with this core? Yeah. 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 With this core. Cause this is, a, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like the, the stream of picks that's coming mm-hmm. in with Gordon Hayward and Tatum and, you know, f- kind of fleecing a rival in Philly potentially with Markel Fultz. Right. Um, And just all of that. And yeah, Sacramento, like I, I don't think Sacramento will be so bad. That the number one pick will be realistic for them, although with the flattened lottery we're odds, talking about,
2: we're talking about the Sacramento Kings.
1: We are, um, but you know they are. They weirdly ha- they have a lot of players on their team. That's all I can <laughs> Compared to they Atlanta, do,
2: they do have a, an NBA roster. That is, true. they do
1: have an NBA roster. I mean, personally, like I'm, I, I like guys like Buggy Heald and Bogdanovich and Willie Coley Stein um, and Fox. I think you know has has something to prove but it's a free country um yeah yeah and uh but uh yeah i don't think they're gonna be worse than atlanta um but they will be probably the worst in the west
2: oh yeah see that that's what i think atlanta is for sure a worse roster they're not gonna try to win any game like sacramento the thing that could prevent sacramento from being like horrifically horrifically bad is they have no motivation to lose right Right. they they don't have a pick they know there's no chance they get that pick um so that you know there's really no reason for them to tank this year they're not gonna have a choice they're gonna be terrible uh but they play you know their schedule is more western conference you know favoring so i mean like what you look at you look up and like all those teams we just talked about they're gonna be in that like three to ten range like when do you feel good about sacramento beating portland or okc or utah or new orleans like they're gonna have to clean up against new york orlando atlanta like i just don't see them getting wins over good teams in the west because the west is going to be so competitive that there's not going to be you're not gonna be able to just take a night off against the kings and rest skies like I, i think in the west you're going to need every win you can get so there's going to be 12 or 13 teams in the western conference you know basically everybody but sacramento the clippers and and probably the suns you know who are vying for these playoff spots, and they're they're just it's just going to be really really hard to get wins. And all of a sudden, I think we're going to look up at the All Star break, and Sacramento is going to be like ten and thirty eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. They're gonna, yeah, pretty much no one they're going to play is going to be, uh, yeah, like you said, taking the night off. Atlanta will, yeah, it's a really interesting situation because Atlanta will probably walk into some wins because of the teams they're playing, like New York and Brooklyn. And although you know Brooklyn has no real incentive to lose either. Um, uh, but yeah, it's going to be, um, yeah, like you said, someone's getting a top seven, probably top five pick.
2: And it it would also be fitting too for Sacramento to finally get the number one pick. I mean, they've had all these like terrible losing seasons and still, I think they haven't had the number one pick since like 1989. Um, and they took Purvis Ellison and, you know, for them to finally get it in the year that they have to give it away, I think would be kind of like this long decades long karma that's been building, um, (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you have any any other thoughts from the mock last night uh, that you wanted to get to? Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. I think we covered. I think we covered most of uh, most of the pertinent stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's up on the site. Um, the full mock draft is is in a in a spreadsheet that's accessible. It's linked in the article, um, and I had you guys do a, a kind of post draft Q and A. So if you're interested in learning. A whole lot more about that draft just go to roadwirecom it's on our NBA homepage first article listed you can find that pretty easily uh, all right well I think are you in the north woods through the end of the week
1: yeah through the end of the week I'm coming back on Sunday
2: okay sounds good man well we're you know just a few weeks out before we can actually start talking about real preseason games so we'll catch you yeah. next week sounds good I can't
3: wait to play I can't wait to play in the NBA. I'm waiting for the draft, working hard to improve my craft. From New Orleans Tennessee, I'm the best at shooting the three. Take you off the dribble, go past my man. I'm in the lane, now watch me slam. I can't wait to play in the NBA, I can't wait to play in the NBA, just as a kid watching TV, already knew where I wanted to be, started out as just a dream, but my family believed in me, I play for Vandy the USA and now I'm headed to NBA I can't wait to play in the NBA I can't wait to play in the NBA I can't wait Play. Oh,